Awesome Lord, amen. And I am so glad, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I can say He's mine. Can you say that? It says, song says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Is that your testimony today? Well, stand with me and let's sing it together. All right. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, my Salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my 
Sing that chorus again. This morning we are focused on the opportunity to be able to pray for and uh, give towards the needs of world hunger. Like we said, that is both near and far. It's both right here in our own community, uh, throughout our state, throughout our nation, and literally it touches folks around the world. And one of the blessings of being a Southern Baptist is the opportunity to be able to join our sister churches in being able to meet that need. Uh, to be able to pray for folks in those needs, to be able to be hands-on, but also to be able uh, to give and to be able to meet needs that are not just right here in our own community, but, but go throughout our state, our nation, and the world. And uh, we're able to do that today through this uh, offering for World Hunger. We will have the opportunity to do that this morning as well as this evening uh, during our meal and program. And so this morning, I want you to see uh, just a little bit of how that is, that those needs are being met, both near and far. Today you have an opportunity to join Southern Baptists around the world in fighting the hunger crisis. Since the 1970s, Southern Baptists have been meeting hunger needs at home and around the world through global hunger relief. This year, the needs are greater than ever. That's right, disasters, pandemic, poverty, and famine have created massive hunger needs in every community. But here's the good news, you can help. Your gifts on Global Hunger Sunday will equip IMB missionaries to feed the hungry by providing meals after disasters, creating sustainable farming programs, and more. And in North America, you'll help NAM missionaries minister to their communities through food pantries and after-school feeding programs. Every dollar you give will open doors to share the gospel and feed our hungry neighbors, both at home and around the world. When Southern Baptists come together, we create long-lasting, gospel-centered impact. This year, please join us to fight the hunger crisis on Global Hunger Sunday. Give to the Global Hunger Sunday offering today. For these needs this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for the way that you have blessed us. Lord, we have so much, Lord. You, you have given us an, an abundance, and Lord, that's not just for us to have more and more. 
Lord, that is that we might be that conduit, that channel of blessing. Lord, that we might pour that out onto the world around us. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to meet needs around us, um, both right here in our own community. And Lord, we do think about ministries like Bags of Hope and Marcella's Kitchen and the opportunities to be hands-on with our neighbors. But Lord, nobody in our community should be hungry. Lord, that we would have the ability to be able to reach them and, and let them know that you love them. And that, Lord, you're going to meet their physical need, but much more importantly, Lord, you love them. And you want to meet their spiritual need as the bread of life, as that well that never runs dry. But, Lord, also we recognize that we've got brothers and sisters around our state and nation and the world. And we may not know their names, but, Lord, they're hungry. And they're in need and they're hurting. And, Lord, you give us the opportunity to reach them as well. And, Lord, as we give today um, to Global Hunger Relief, Lord, we recognize that we are able to be your hands and feet. We're able to do what you've called us to do, of, of meeting the needs around about us. Because we recognize until someone's stomach is filled, they're not going to be willing to listen to us, speaking of how their spirit needs to be fed. And so, Lord, help us to have the opportunity to give. And as we have that opportunity, Lord, help us to be obedient and to give faithfully and sacrificially as you have called us to, to your honor and to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you all to stand with me, please, as we sing our final song this morning. The verse of the song says he's a wonderful Savior. Amen. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock.
Thank you, Dee, for that special music this morning. If you will, turn in your Bibles this morning as we continue this study through 1 Peter to 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2. As we see uh, Peter writing this morning uh, to us, a chosen people. And uh, that is something very special for us to hear. And I hope the Lord speaks to your heart about what that truly means as we journey through this scripture together this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 together this morning. Let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you and what it means to be yours, to be your chosen people. Uh, Lord, what that means to us as we live in this world, uh, as, as strangers, as pilgrims. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to know that our home is, is somewhere else, much greater than, than this place. But Lord, while we are here, Lord, while we're in this foreign land, Lord, you have called us to make an impact. Lord, you have called us to share the message that, Lord, you love lost souls. Lord, you love people uh, who are broken because, Lord, you died for them. Lord, you died upon the cross to pay their sin debt. And Lord, if they will repent of their sin, if they will turn to you by faith, believing that you died for them and you rose again and you're coming back, Lord, they can be saved, not because they're good enough, not because they bring something to the table that you just have to have, but Lord, because of your grace, because of your mercy, by faith, they can have a relationship with you. And so Lord, today, as you speak to us, Lord, I pray that hearts will be stirred and I pray that if there is even one who does not yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today might be the day of salvation for them. So again today, Lord, hide me behind the cross, that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wonder this morning, uh, how many of you have ever been outside of the country, not just on vacation, but maybe you're in the military and you're in another country, or maybe um, you were in another country for an extended period of time uh, for work, or maybe you've gone uh, on a church mission trip and you've been in another country, not, a, not in a resort setting, but really inside of another country. Anybody ever spent time like that? It's eye-opening, isn't it? Um, to, to be in another country, to be in another nation, to be in a, in a place that is not your home. It's an eye-opening experience to travel like that. And if you've spent any time in those, those countries, you know that there's some realizations that come to you. And, and really, for me, this happened on our first trip to Brazil. That realization uh, as we traveled deep into the interior uh, of the country, the realization that this is not home. Uh, while on that journey, you, you always have in the back of, the, of your mind, uh, you know, what happens if, if something happens, you know? Uh, because this is not home. You're kind of like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. You look around and you say, you know, Toto, uh, I feel like this isn't Kentucky anymore. Uh, this, this is something very different. And, and as we spent that time in Brazil, uh, you're surrounded by a very different language, uh, and, and that's tough. Uh, when you don't speak the language of the people around you, when you don't eat the same kind of foods as the people around you, when the bedding is different, a hammock is not a mattress, Okay. No matter how comfortable everybody who's been to Brazil tells you, hammocks are not that comfortable. I'm sorry, they're just not. 
not when you're 6'4", okay? Your feet are straight up in the air. It's different. The worldview is different. In Brazil, I don't have the legal rights that I have here as a citizen of the United States of America. And that is always something that I think about when I'm in a foreign country. I love the people in Brazil, I do. But there is a different relationship between the folks in Brazil and me and my relationship with you. In Brazil, I'm there for maybe six to eight days, usually once every two years. And then I have to return home. I don't really have the time to put down roots and develop the kind of relationships that I do here at home with you. I desire to make an impact while we're there in Brazil. I I desire to to impact the lives of the folks that I meet for the brief amount of time that I'm there. But I realize that ultimately, it is not my home. In our passage here this morning, Peter tells us that as believers, we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. Now, that word strangers has the idea of a person who lives for an extended period of time in a land that is not his or her own. He's there long enough to need a house to live in, but not a permanent resident. He has no legal rights. He has really no social standing. He's a stranger. He's an exile who lives in that foreign land. Now, the word pilgrim has a meaning that is more temporary than the other. This word refers to one who is really more just passing through on his way to another place. So it's, it's, it's more like just a, a stopping off place is where pilgrim stays. But both of those words describe who we are today as children of the Lord in this world. We're living in this world, but this world, listen to me, this is not our home. This is not your home if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here, God willing, long enough to need a house to live in and long enough to need a job to feed us and our family. But we are not permanent residents of this world. We are merely strangers living in the midst of an alien culture that we desire to impact for the glory of the Lord while we are here. We want to make a lasting impact on those that we have contact with, but ultimately we are pilgrims passing through this earth on the way home to heaven. And if you have ever had the opportunity to meet someone from another culture, you soon recognize the fact that they think and they act differently than you do. Well, as believers, we're supposed to think and we were supposed to act differently than the natives of this planet. Our new birth and our new nature are all products of our home, which is in heaven. And as a result, we are a heavenly-minded people. Our legal status is not here. It is in heaven. We are not to live by man's laws and man's ways. Man's laws and ways are lower. They're a lower standard than the heavenly citizenship by which we are to live. So we should obey the laws of the land, yes. But the law and the will of God is far superior to that of this world. In other words, if we are truly heaven-born people, then we are to live like heaven-born people. And this is what Paul had in mind when he wrote to the Colossians in, in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then be 
risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Since we are pilgrims, since we are strangers in this world, we need to know then how to conduct ourselves in an alien culture. And so Peter has a word to us as chosen people in this passage today. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you, are a whole, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, particular, a peculiar people that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You may be seated. So let's hear this word that Peter has to us. And first we see that there is a reminder of our past situation. We have a dark past. That's what he tells us here in verse 9, we're reminded that Jesus found us in the darkness of our sins. That while we were yet still sinners, that Christ died for us. He didn't find us as perfect people. He didn't even find us as good people. He found us as sinful, evil people. And he found us when we lived as we pleased. When we were unaware that, that our freedom and our fun was nothing more than the worst kind of bondage. That is where he found us in the past. But look at verse 10. We have a despised past. We're reminded that when he came to us, we were not even part of the people. We were outcasts, in other words. We had, we had no belonging. Part of, of a fallen race of people, we were the enemies of God. But also in verse 10, we see we have a deadly past. When the Lord came for us, we were totally unworthy of the mercy and the grace that he extended to us. Might I remind you this morning that God owes us nothing. He owes me nothing. He owes you nothing. We are not people who deserve salvation. We're not people who deserve heaven. Every one of us deserves to be in hell this morning. It was the grace of God that reached down into hell, into the darkness of our life and delivered us from that wretched existence. It was the grace and the grace of God alone that made the difference in your life and in mine. But also, it was grace that saved us. But secondly, we see a reminder of our present standing. We are a new creation. We're a new creation the term chosen generation has to do with the glorious truth that God reached in the teeming masses of lost humanity and he chose a people for himself. He did this according to his own will and he took those people, he chose and he created a brand new race of men. Think about that for a minute. When the Lord went and called Abraham, when he called him, the Hebrew race of people was born. Up until that point, that race of people had never existed before. 
They, 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 had, they had never been a people. But when God called Abraham, he began a race of people known as the Hebrew people. Up until that time, there was no such thing as the Hebrews. The same thing is true about us today as believers. We are a distinct race of men. We may be the same as others physically, but we are vastly different on the spiritual level. We are opposite. That is the reason why the world doesn't understand us, because we are opposite. And so it's why they don't accept us and our beliefs, because we are opposite. This is the reason why we are referred to as aliens in this world. And if you've been a Christian for very long, if you've been walking with the Lord for very long, then you realize that. You look around and you, you feel it. You see it. You hear it. You understand it, that you are an alien in this world and in this culture. But also we have a new communion. We, notice here we're called a royal priesthood. When we were lost... We were totally separated from God. And so now in Jesus, we have been brought nigh to God by the blood of Christ. Not, not on our own merits, not of our own goodness, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this new relationship, we have unrestricted, we have unhindered access into the presence of the Lord. Where there had once been the curtain in the Holy of Holies that separated the people from God, that has now been open. There is now full access. We do not need to go through another mediator, for our mediator is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he has broken down all barriers that once stood between us and God. That, that barrier, that curtain, that wall of separation has now been torn down by Christ, and access has been made for you and for me. And since all of this is true, we can come into the presence of the Lord and now have instant access to the Lord of glory. 24-7. Is that not an amazing truth? That at any moment of time, that you can go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he desires to hear from you. As I desire to hear from, from my children, he desires to hear from you. Any hour of the day, any hour of the night, he wants to hear from you. But also we have a new character. We're called a holy nation. That is God, through Jesus, has produced a change in us that now allows us to be what we never could have been before. And that is holy. That's something that was completely foreign to us outside of a relationship with God. Because only he is holy. Jesus tells us that, remember? Only one is holy and that is holy. God. But yet, because of him coming in and dwelling within us, now we can be a holy people. You see, lost men can, can do good. They can do earthly good. However, they have no spiritual good in them. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's speaking of spiritual things. You can't do anything of lasting spiritual significance without the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. They can produce some things that are good from a human perspective. They, they can do some things that the world would say is good. But they can never produce anything that is spiritually good in the sight of God. Anything that we try to do in and of ourselves, in and of our own power and strength, is as filthy rags when it comes to righteousness before God. 
However, when a person is saved, they are given a new nature. And this new spiritual nature has the capacity, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to produce works of true holiness that can truly be pleasing to our Lord. Things like prayer, witnessing, acts of faith, acts of love, kindness, forgiveness, are all proofs that God can take a sinner, that he can save him by his grace, and then he can make him a person who is referred to as holy. A believer can and should be holy. This is the will of God, and it is possible as we live as that new creature in him. It is possible because we have been delivered from the darkness and have been placed into the light that is Christ. The flesh can produce a lot of things that look good externally, but only the Holy Spirit of God can produce genuine holiness in a person's life. The lost man may clean his life up, but the saved man finds his life cleaned up for him by Jesus. But we also have a new classification We are called a peculiar people. Now, that word peculiar has been misquoted and been misunderstood for quite some time. If if somebody comes in this morning and they point at you and say, well, you're you're a peculiar person. Are you going to take that as a compliment? Are you going to say, well, what do you mean by that? But we have to understand what what Peter is really saying here when when he says we're a peculiar people. It means A purchased possession, a unique possession, something of rare beauty and of a priceless nature. That's what he's speaking of. It brings to mind the way that Zechariah referred to the Lord's people in Zechariah 9, 16. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon this land. We're precious. We're, We're a treasure to him, in other words. And so that means that We are a precious people to him. He paid a high price for us. And now he possesses us. And that means that we are precious to him. And of course, this means that he keeps a close watch on us. He he looks after us with, with the greatest of care and concern. He protects us. He shelters us. And once we were a despised, worthless people. But now, through the blood of Christ, we are God's prized possession. I wonder, has anyone ever lost a set out of a ring or maybe a a really precious piece of jewelry? Anybody ever lost something like that? Isn't it just heartbreaking uh, when when you do that? I know my mom, she she had her mom's um, wedding ring and I remember when I was little she would been gardening in the front yard and and lost that ring and we literally dug that entire front yard up looking for that ring and we never found it. but I remember when Robin and I had, had just first gotten married. We hadn't been married more than a year or two. And we were out at Kentucky Lake uh, on Sled Creek. You're all going to be going into Sled Creek now after I tell this story. Uh, we were skiing. And I always took my ring off and I put it in a cup holder while we, were, while we were skiing to make sure I didn't lose it. Well, we thought we were done for the day. So I got back in the boat and I put that ring back on. Well, somebody yells out, anybody want to ski all the way back in? To, to the marina and I thought well yeah I'm gonna you know I'm gonna impress this new wife of mine by showing her how what a great skier I am so I get on there and as soon as that tow rope pulls me up it also pulls that ring off and then bloop, 
I immediately let go and thought that I could catch the ring, you know. Of course, that thing's at the bottom of Sled Creek. And there's nothing I could do about it. I had lost that precious ring. But we've all, many of us, have been in that place. And we know what it is to lose something precious. But listen to me this morning. Thankfully, thankfully, as God's precious, prized, purchased possession, God will never lose any of us. He will never let you go. He will never lose track of you. You are his. And he's much better at taking, taking care of things than me. And I'm so thankful for that. But thirdly and lastly, let, let, let me point this out. A reminder of our present service. So that's who we were and, and, and who we are. But here, here's what we are supposed to do with those truths. You see... Instead of just being partakers of the culture and mindset of this world, we are to attempt to share the culture and mindset of heaven with this culture. That, that's, that's why we're here. Remember, we are from another world. And we are literally ambassadors from heaven to this world. Meaning, we have a message that we have been entrusted with. We are to do all we can now to share that message with the culture of our homeland with the earthbound people living around us. So people who don't understand us, people who, who don't really get us, we're to find a way to connect and make that message known to them. We are to show and to tell them how the citizens of heaven live their lives and how they can have that kind of a relationship and that kind of life themselves. And so look at verse 9. We are to declare the truth about our Savior. That phrase, shoo forth the praises. That means to vocally declare what the Lord has done for us. That word praises refers to the qualities that make him excellent. Think of who he is. Think of all that he has done. Think of, think, think of, uh, of all the characteristics of our God. And that is what we are to praise. That is what we are to be shouting out. We are to declare to the, to the lost and the dying world the excellencies of the Lamb of God. We should be quick to declare what he has done for us. We should be vocal people in our willingness and our desire to share him with this world. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. We can be open about our relationship with Christ without being obnoxious about it. There's a way to build relationships with people and build trust with people in such a way that they know that when you share the gospel, it's because you love them. You can't be an obnoxious person and always yelling and screaming at them about your political views on this and that and the other and then say, oh, yeah, and I also want to tell you about Jesus. Uh, you know, when you've just told them, you know, all these horrible things that you think about them, you, you've got to build relationships where they trust you and where they know that you love them and you care about them. You can point men to him without drawing attention to yourself, in other words. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. And that's hard for us to understand sometimes, that it's more important that they know about Jesus than they know all of your personal opinions. It's about him. But also look at verses 11 and 12. We are to demonstrate the truth of our salvation. There is a vocal side to our witness, and there is also a visible side to it. These two verses speak about the aspect of our walk with the Lord. First, look at verse 11. By a pure walk, since we are citizens of heaven, we are to avoid living like the citizens of this earth. When we live 
to an earthly level, we find our witness ruined and our lives enslaved by the power of the lust of the flesh. So we look at the evils that have invaded the culture of this world and cultures that were untouched, but some that happened and some particular evil came in. Well, we think before the European settlers came to the Americas, Native Americans really didn't know the evil of alcohol. However, an alien culture introduced alcohol to the Native Americans. And today, when we minister with our friends in those communities, we find that that is one of the large issues that enslaves so many of them. The evil of alcohol is one of those things that is crushing so many homes within those communities. It was introduced by an alien culture. But also look at verse 12, by a powerful witness. Peter says that believers are to live right in front of a lost world. They may criticize us for the standards that we have or, or for the things that we oppose. But if we are consistent and if we're holy in our walk, if we're, if we're consistent and holy in our dealings with them, they will be touched by our good works. He even indicates that some will be saved as a result of, in that phrase of the day of visitation. That, that's what that indicates. That our holy lives live before them will give an opportunity for then us to be able to share the gospel because we've lived it out in front of them. You know, you've, you've heard that, uh, you know, share the gospel and if, and if needed, use words. You're going to have to use words, okay? You can't share the gospel without using words. What that really means is live in such a way that you have the opportunity to share the words because if you haven't lived out the gospel, they're not going to hear the gospel when you try to speak it. Many of us I'm certain um, have criticized our share of Christians before coming to Christ ourselves, especially if you were uh, maybe saved at at an older age, arguing with them and despising them for being against things that that you enjoy doing at that time. However, never being able to get past their love and their devotion to the Word of God. The truth and the honesty of their lives made a statement for God that, that none of our arguments could overcome. And it was the faithful witness of a sincere, dedicated believer that brought many of us to Christ. We saw them live it out. And I say that this morning to remind you to be holy and consistent in your life. Live it out on a daily basis. It's worth it because there's people who are watching. You never know who is watching and what difference your life is going to make in their life because they say, you know what? I work with him, I work with her, my kids go to school with them, whatever it may be, but I see the difference in their life. And what is that difference? They they tell me that it's Jesus. They tell me that Jesus is the reason that they have that peace. They they say that it's because of Jesus that they have that, that kind of assurance even in difficult days. They say that it's Jesus that gives them joy even in the difficult times of life. And because you've lived that out consistently, day in and day out, you'll have the opportunity to then share the gospel. So listen to me, church. Until Jesus comes, we will be pilgrims and strangers in this world. And let us remember that we are surrounded by an alien culture that needs to hear about Jesus and that needs to see his truth lived out by those who claim to know him. They used to encourage us when we would visit the the national parks to leave them cleaner than we found them. That's the way we should live in this alien culture around us called the world. We should leave this place cleaner than we found it. 
better than we found it. Because of us, because of the church, Brinesburg being right here in the center of Marshall County, this county ought to be different. It ought to be better. Because God has placed us here for such a time as this. And so how are you living that out on a daily basis? What kind of witness are you having? Are you living as a chosen people before the people that God has given you influence with? If not, if there needs to be some changes, let's make those changes today. Let's let's give it over to to the Lord and say, you know what? You You have full access to do whatever you need to do, Lord, to make my life the kind of witness that it needs to be. But some of us here this morning can't say we have any witness at all because we don't have a personal love relationship with Christ. And if that be you this morning, I've got, I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay in that lost condition. You don't have to stay in that position of being an alien and a stranger to God. You can come to him today by recognizing your sin and your great need for him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Today, if you would come to him, if you repent of your sin and accept him by faith, then you shall be saved. That's good news, amen? That's good news. And if that's you today, I I pray that you would come and that you'd say yes to him. There's a lot of needs in this place. Maybe maybe you said this is is where I need to make my church home and I just haven't done that yet. We'd love to have you come forward and we'll take care of all the the paperwork on that end. But but you just come and say, you know what, this is is where I want to put down roots and begin to do what the Lord's called me to do. Um, How's the Lord speaking to you this morning? Would you be faithful? Would you be obedient and say yes to him today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we thank you for the work that you've done in us. Lord, because we recognize that we were lost. Lord, we, were, we were your enemies. But Lord, while we were still yet in our sin, that you chose to send your son, Jesus Christ, to come and, and to die for our sins. And Lord, to, to rise again on the third day and to save us. And Lord, I'm so thankful for that because now, We recognize that we are a new creature. And that, Lord, now this is not our home any longer. That this is a foreign land. We are aliens and strangers. We're pilgrims coming through this land on our way home to be with you in heaven. But, Lord, this morning I recognize that I've got some friends today that don't yet know you in that way. They don't yet know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life. And I pray that today you would do a work in them that would change them completely. But Lord, also for my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, some of us may need to make some some commitments and say, Lord, I I need to repent today and I need to give some things over to you so that I would have the kind of witness that you've called me to have before the people that you've placed in my life. Lord, some of us need to make this our church home and we need to begin to to do the work that you've called us to do with, with, with this family of believers. Lord, you know all the needs in this place. So, Lord, I'm going to get out of the way. And, Lord, I just pray that you would speak into the hearts of individuals. And, Lord, they'd be faithful to say yes to you today. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you come?